Asylums, mansions, melonheads, oh my. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. Welcome, and you guys, oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to (laughs) say, well, I failed at trying to be Dorothy Gale with that. Uh, um, But, you know, hey, we're here, and um, we're not talking about the Wizard of Oz either, so. Oh, man. I love the Wizard of Oz. Anybody who doesn't know, um, that's one of my favorite movies, and all of my tattoos are Wizard of Oz related, so. Yes. Right, so I'm I I know you're super glad that I fucked that up on a royal basis, but yeah. it's okay. It's alright. It's okay. I train. It's okay. Everything's fine. Okay, so uh, our spooky tale today is about um people that are spooky on the outside. Uh, a little, you know, uh, weird looking. I mean, weird. That's not very um politically correct but i'm gonna leave it up to you guys to decide so yes they're a genetic anomaly correct if i'm not mistaken that perfect way of putting it yes so Uh, this is more of something that does have truth in it but it created in the a huge midwestern urban legend but there is there is a lot of truth to it it did it did like you know derive from different medical um, situations, I guess. But oh, okay, you know us tall telling motherfuckers over here in the Midwest, we like to you know create <laughs> something that's you know legendary of sorts. So let's. Just we ain't got in. nothing else. <laughs> we ain't got shit else to do. Exactly, exactly. All we have to do is you know hang out in the corn, drink alcohol, and um, mm. you know make, make shit up. up. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so. Legend has it that certain cities in Ohio and Michigan, you know, are our favorite two to talk about. There are small things called humanoids that emerge from their hiding places and they attack random people at will. They are, it's it's unexplained. They just come out of nowhere and attack people. Random. Like there's no thought behind it. There's no process. There's nothing. There's no grudge. Nothing. Okay. Uh, I'm already terrified, so that's no good so, for me. <laughs> right. So the what it said on the internet, as for like the terminology here, which really kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable, is these beings have bulbous heads. B u l b u s. Yes, bulbous. I mean, that, You're that right. That makes me feel very uncomfortable. But it actually <laughs> is a medical term that means that their heads are full of fluid. So they're very, like, extended. They're, you know, I mean, uh, very uh, out of sorts as for shape-wise. There's no aesthetically pleasing part of it. Uh, yeah. AKA, AKA anybody that's seen The Hills Have Eyes or, you know, I mean what the freak shows of the early 1920s, like the the elephant men and stuff like that. Like that, it's an actual medical thing where okay. they carry too much fluid in their in their skull and in their head. And so it, it creates a like disformation, I guess. Um, okay. Yeah. So 
submitted for the approval of Monsters of the Midwest, I bring to you guys the legend of the Melonheads. Ooh, Melonheads. Here we go. Yes. All right. So urban legends are a genre of folklore that usually circulate a lot of different stories. There's a lot of bizarre endings. There's a lot of like trips and tales and maybe like a minuscule part of them is true, but the rest is kind of, you know, false or made up basically. Yeah. But with this one, this was one that I found that actually has a lot of truth to it and actually really did happen in both Ohio and Michigan. Now, was it eccentric as what they, you know, said in the story? I don't know. I can't prove that, but it's a true thing. So this is a, an urban legend that came from, you know, a, a, a true tale. Okay. All right. But not like, not like, you know, the Lake Erie monster. You try to throw me for a loop saying he got a job and shit. He did <laughs> though. I mean, come on. No. I, I, I did throw that. I was pretty proud of that. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, it was um, good. That was a good one. She got me. I did. So this one is not like that. It's not like that tale. Uh, this actually, there's a lot of truth from it. And the problem is, is that there was an actual, you know, true tale. And then it just evolved into this. So this urban legend, oh, this, um, this, this like, you know, people just are talking. They spread rumors. They do that. You know, the Midwestern thing that we do, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's like a game of telephone. Yeah, it doesn't, telephone. It doesn't exactly. It doesn't end the way that it started, right? And the tales of the melonheads are so heavily circulated that literally people in both the states of Ohio and Michigan consider this a known fact, a known oh. fact that these. So it's it's been a long. It's been around for a really long time. It's really. Okay, I urge anybody listening that is, is still interested in finding more about this, there is multiple different YouTube videos of people literally speaking of this. And it's it felt very culty to me because it was that's what intrigued me so much is like they speak with so much conviction that this is a legit thing. This actually happened. They know, you know what I mean? But right, yeah. It doesn't really fall into their time frame of like, you know, like you're too young to know that actual story. You weren't there. Like that's not, the, you know, <laughs> right. like the time. That you, but it's like their conviction of the story and like thinking this is all or, you it's know. It's true. Quote unquote, Everything knowing is true is about fat, it. Right. It's just wow. the, the, the blind devotion. The blind devotion is really okay. spooky I'm in ready. itself. I'm ready to hear all it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, these melon heads. We're going to talk about these melon heads. So they usually concern themselves with like, um, diff it's usually connected with like troubling events or like mysterious perils that happen of like disappearance of children or disappearance of like random people, you know, they go into the woods alone and then they all of a sudden they're gone. Like that type of shit. That's where this all kind of okay. like emerges from, I guess. Okay. But we told you not to do that shit. I first know of all. we we've been telling you guys, <laughs> but <laughs> right, don't do that. The weird thing about like the melonhead story is that it actually has adjusted people in both. Um, like I said, YouTube receipts. Uh, it, it's adjusted like their their moral standards. Like 
it has made people create this prejudice against other people. I don't know if it's because they are scared of them because they're different or if it's because like a prejudice against the unknown. I don't know. It's so fucking bizarre. Huh. And I just I, I'm really intrigued I'm by it. And some. I yeah, it's fucking weird. It's just really fucking okay. weird. Okay. Cause I will say, I will admit, I didn't look anything up except for the pictures because you told me to look at what they look like. Because it's scary. And that, it's scary. That's it. So I it's need to watch YouTube videos now. Full disclosure, it's only scary to me because The Hills Have Eyes is one of those movies that scared me um, when it first came out because, well, I mean, maybe this is, I don't know. I mean, like, dissecting this now, but maybe it's because that felt like it could really happen to me. So maybe there's, like, some Midwestern, you know, melon head bullshit in my head. I don't fucking know. Who knows? Maybe. Whatever. Whatever. They're they're scary looking because of that movie for me. Okay. Okay. Um, but the one thing that I did find like uh, collectively was that anybody that talked about this, anybody that wrote about these like melon head stories, there was like a huge like thick anxiety and fear and a little flavor of hysteria that kind of, you know, engulfed Ooh. them. And it was, like, not just a one-person thing. It was, like, a community-type hysteria. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So just to kind of, like, throw it back for you guys, in 1968 was when urban legends started to become, like, really a thing, like a, um, like a publicized thing. And it started with a guy named Richard Dorson. And he used to teach in Utah. Well, we all know how Utah is, and uh, it's not in the Midwest, but we all know how the, uh, we aren't even going to get into Utah. We already know. We already fucking know. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's that. You know, the um, cults and uh, FDLS and all the influences, the, uh, you know. Yes. The literal Hills Have Eyes movie, all that shit's all all there. Okay. So, 1968 was when he started preaching um, different things. Like, he started saying, like, this is a law. This is, like, this is what's happening, you know, and, and enticing people to come into his um, teachings and his community. You know, basically, early age oh, cult sure. shit. You know. You know right. How that is. Right. So, in 1980. people. Right. In 1981. It, it had evolved in such a common topic to talk about the melon heads that it was literally, literally on like almost every media platform in the Midwest, in this area, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, like this area, like everybody was fucking wow. talking about it. Right. Like it got, it, it was just a huge thing. So urban legends are kind of, I mean, they're in the folklore category, like the umbrella term of it. But they differ because they're very much connected to whatever the modern society thoughts and practices are of the time. So they kind of evolved. They're like literally modern hysteria because, you know, they evolve into, oh, well, let's just, you know, the game of telephone, like you said, they just keep adding yep. shit, adding shit, you know? Yeah. So they just keep changing a little detail and then it just snowballs. Right. So thank you for all who are still here. Uh, with my little, you know, old school breakdown Spiel. there. Without <laughs> further ado, let's dive into the real story here. All right. We're going to start off with Michigan. We all have a certain way of feeling about Michigan. 
Um, so we're going to focus on Ottawa County. And I'll be honest, the only town I found familiar in Ottawa County was Grand Rapids. So right, yep. There's not a whole lot going on in Ottawa County. Um, it's a heavily forested area. It's a southern Michigan. So, I, which is why I was like, oh yeah, I want to grasp onto something because it's very close to like Toledo area, which we're both fully familiar of. Yes, but there ain't shit there, and it's it's worse off than Ohio. So, yeah, in this county really isn't. Right. Um, I was like grasping for straws like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to know where that's at. No, I fucking didn't. Uh, in this county, there's a very large three story brick mansion that was built in 1927. This mansion is called the Felt Mansion. And at first it was a summer residence of Mr. Dor Felt, D-O-R-R Felt, F-E-L-T. You know, obviously wow. he was a, you know. A to do well to do person in 1927, right? Makes me wonder, like, yeah. does he have anything to do with like Door Street in Toledo? Because that's not that far. Just saying, it really isn't that far. That's maybe. I mean, that um, makes. I mean, sense. D O R R. Like, I mean, it, it's not normally spelled that way. But anyways, sidebar. Yeah. So in 1949, it was said uh, that he actually sold this to the Chicago Providence of Augustine Order. And that was a Catholic church. So Mr. Dorr sold his uh, summer house to the Catholic Church of Chicago in 1949. We already all know how the Catholic Church and the, the Midwest go hand in hand. So, yeah, they do. So thus moved into this uh, once was a beautiful summer house. And now it is a mansion that is housed hundreds of priests. So they, this is, you know, they moved Chi town in there and it's just, it's, it's just housing a bunch of priests and then they eventually evolved more students and then also children who served as like chapel hands is what it, they called it, but it was like a prep school. So it was like grades nine through 12. It was kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, a Catholic school, I guess. I don't. I don't know. It Early sounds age. like that to me. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like a private Catholic school or something. As you can imagine, this didn't fucking go well. Okay. So, in 1977, <laughs> the state of Michigan purchased the estate back, and it turned it into. What can we possibly do with this? Fuck it. Let's make it a jail. It's a correctional facility. Uh, wow, really? Which had, Damn. From 1977 to 1991, held a, a very close, you know, a really a solid run there. But yeah, no when. Shit. For a house? Right. Right. This is some dude, like, <laughs> Door Street Toledo's dude, a uh, fucking summer house. And it's, it's turned into all this already. And it hasn't even been that long. Yeah. Um, so when it was a prep school, there was actually a really tragic like facility that was very, very close called the junction insane asylum. So oh boy. Right. And obviously we already know where that's going to go. I mean, this is obviously not a good thing. There's an insane asylum that's super close. I mean, it's just, it, there's all the, all the flavors of this isn't going to go well. Many people, including the historical society of, uh, that Ottawa County of Michigan, claim that this asylum was never there 
it is in historical what? books that it never existed at all. There are what? pictures. I found pictures. And the pictures are fucking chilling. Um, this asylum is like... <sighs> A really weird dark place that almost looks like a solid brick building that is behind this, like, you know, this summer house that we talked about. Um, but okay. it, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable, like, even, like, explaining it. We're definitely going to post pictures. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a, what do they call it? A mother-in-law's, like. A mother-in-law suite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It kind of looks mm -hmm. like that, like to the summer house, but it's all brick and it's very like kind of the Dozier School of Boys looking building, if I'm honest. If I'm honest. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like a really, like cinder blocks or whatever. Right. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's a really uncomfortable looking building. Okay. So, okay. This cinder block building, it housed insane children as well as those who suffered from i'm gonna fuck this up hydroacephalus and okay. this hydroacephalus is a condition where the cerebral fluid uh, accumulates in the brain so there's a lot of excess water in the brain um so these children were known like in a slang term as melon heads or wobble heads I mean, there's a lot of really, oh. like, derogatory things that they call them. Right. Um, I mean, sure. Right. So while these children were under the care of the asylum, because they were, even though they were housed in that, like, they were housed in that brick building, but it was somehow connected to this prep school, it, they were That's kind bizarre. of like, they were kind of like the, the ones that they disposed of. They Aww. were treated with extreme abuse. Um, they were treated so badly that even the medical staff didn't want to give them any type of proper care. So, mm, that's sad. yeah, it, it is. It's it's very sad. The children that were there were so neglected that some of them would escape and they would roam the woods that is surrounding the Ottawa County. And they they didn't know where the heck to go because they had never been on their own at all. And Aww. so they just kind of literally roamed the woods and they came across this summer house, AKA the felt mansion, you know, that we mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah. And they thought that that's where they needed to be. They thought that like, okay, well this might be a, a solace for us. Um <sighs> Some of these children that that walked away from this mansion were so severely abused that they honestly they, they snapped. They their mental health health was like fucked every way from Tuesday. And no. they retaliated to the fact where they not only would go take over the um the summer house, but they would also find themselves like hiding and taking solace in the woods by themselves because not only were they terrified of humans because they thought, you know, everybody's out to get me. Everybody's out to abuse me. Um, th they just didn't know anything different. And that's right. terrifying as well, you know, so they were in the forest and then 
as they, you know, took solace there and like the longer they stayed there, the more feral of mutants they became, you know, they didn't give a fuck, which is what it made me think of that show, like that movie, you know, like, fuck that. That's fucking that sucks. I hate that. (laughs) I know. I know. And then, okay, so the asylum we talked about, the the brick building, um, it was an 80-bed, low-security facility that eventually got closed in 1991 due to funding. There was lack of funding, whatever. Yeah. But the facility, because of the times, uh, did obtain a underground tunnel system, which also... Oh, good. <laughs> right, right. I mean, all the... Right. Isn't this not just... That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> So the tunnel system also led into the middle of the forest, um, which led into like a well type situation. I don't know. Whatever. Everybody's called it different things. That kind of reminds me of Lost. Like how they found that like tunnel system in the middle of the the forest or whatever when they crashed the plane and all that. Like, See, I still haven't watched all Lost, but yeah. I, oh, I haven't man. watched all that. I know. Oh, um, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, you know, because of this tunnel system, obviously they lost funding. So they basically didn't give a shit about the residents of the asylum at this point. So, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, so they started, you know, trying to find food, find whatever, and started going into, you know, the tunnel system and getting out into the forest um okay that sounds resourceful as as much as they could anyway you know but it is said that some of these children were so fucking pissed off and so angry at the doctors and the nurse staff that you know shot them in that asylum that they when they got to the woods and finally found their like taste of freedom that they completely retaliated uh there was different uh things saying they retaliated against not only the nursing staff but also the doctor there was uh they retaliated anybody they saw in the in the woods it was just really bad but the main account was the fact that they escaped and went back and found the doctor the one that like basically quote-unquote incarcerated them into this building okay and they, as feral human beings as they were described, they went to town. They uh, they fucked that dude up. They fucked him up bad. And uh. to the point where he was grasping for his last breath. And they obviously didn't realize the, like, realize what they did until it was too late. And then they started to freak out. And they... We're like, oh, shit, we're going to have to hide a body. We don't know. And their, like, mental capacity was not there, you know? So there was, like, a whole big thing. So they, it was said in multiple different books that they fed on him for act of pure survival. Oh, yes, yuck. Mm Mm-hmm. So. That's not not good. You can't do that. I told you guys some gross shit was coming this season. I told you guys. But. it's <laughs> so bad. I know. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Oh. So as the children, uh, you know, they obviously got nutrients that way. 
they decided to continue to stay in the woods surrounding these buildings. And, you know, they aged, they procreated, they, you know, had babies of their own. Uh, But these physical disabilities and illnesses just, you know, kept like going on through generation through generation. Um, Yeah, passed down. Yeah. uh, So they ended up honestly like from what it says or the legend has it or whatever you want to call it. um, They ended up having their own little community in the woods. It was surrounded by like the mansion, which was at one point their solace, their home that they were forced out of. And they are just feral beings like roaming the woods and having, you know, doing what they have to fucking do to survive, which does also include attacking anybody that enters that part of their woods, you know, as they, it's a survival factor. It's a, you know, we have to have food. Like, I don't know, like all that shit, you know? Right. It's like, it kind of almost sounds like Lord of the Flies, like really animalistic. They're lost in the woods and they don't know what else to do. And let's be real. It sounds like, like, okay, so the Yellow Jackets uh, show on Showtime that just recently came on like this last summer. There's that one. I mean, there's lots of films that or shows that books even that have this whole like. Yeah. Uh, you know, animalistic, like, uh, survival tactic type thing. Right, right, right. I mean, it makes for a good story. It it really does. But it's also, I think it's so terrifying because there's so many, like, horror movies and stuff that are, that are gore, gorish movies that are surrounded by this. But it, it, it's so terrifying because it, I mean, did it happen? Could it happen? I think it could. Like that's what I don't know, makes it man. spooky. Michigan listeners, we need to ask our Michigan listeners. Did, oh, did that happen? Oh well. Also, since we're we're about to clear up Michigan, so then we're going to go into Ohio. So I I asked them too. So that mansion that we talked about, um, it's actually still up and operating. It is what? one of Michigan's most popular fucking wedding venues you sick fucks you sick fucks over there are you serious yes yes yep uh i actually found and you can book it you can um schedule a a visit and book the yeah it's like a fucking looks like a fucking airbnb but it has that like building in the back i don't know it's fucking bizarre look it up felt mansion look it up um all right we're gonna put it on our instagram so everyone can see it I only dove deep because I was like, ooh, is that going to be a place we want to visit like, and see? But ugh, I don't know. So I <laughs> also not. found, all right, I also found uh, over 50 claims of paranormal activity in, in the mansion. Shocker, you know? Um, right. But also different uh, claims with the sheriff that were in the woods surrounding the mansion. So those are kind of interesting. This is all public record in Michigan. I I urge you guys to look it up. And then, I mean, let's have a conversation about it. Hit us up on socials because I, I would love to have a little chat. But, okay. So we, I'm fucking done with Michigan. Let's pack up the car, road tripping. Let's go down the, you know, down the road. Let's go to a town we know very well. Oh, maybe you do uh, Cleveland, Ohio? 
Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, sound familiar? From, okay. I'm from there. Yes, I am. I've been fucking holding on to this one for a while, bro, just to let you know. It's been hard not to tell you about <laughs> All it. Right. All right. So the Ohio city that holds the urban legend of melon heads is Cleveland, Ohio. It is. That is where it comes from. <laughs> so right. we are actually going to go to a small suburb of Cleveland called Kirkland. Kirtland? Kirtland? Oh, okay. Okay. So do you want to, uh, do you know where that's at? Do you want to tell our listeners like from a first person standpoint? Kirkland, Ohio? Well, let's be honest. I can't really read my handwriting. It's either Kirkland or Kirtland. It looks like Kirtland. K-I-R-T-L-E-N-D. T. Yeah. Uh, so Kirtland, Ohio is, um, it's just off of I-90, which is the turnpike. You know it as the turnpike. Um, and it is right, it's about, I would say it's south, I believe, of Willoughby. And mentor, and that's like northern Ohio. So, so it's a like little small town, you know. Is it is it wooded like the the one we talked about with in Michigan, or like what is it demographically? Is it like a suburb? It says suburb okay. of Cleveland, but is it like you know a wooded suburb? So or it's a suburb of East Cleveland, and it is. Um, there's a lot of like parks. There's uh actually Chapin Forest Reservation is there. So oh, okay, so it's, it is kind of wooded. It's highly, it's it's a dense forested area, let's say, which doesn't happen very often in Cleveland area, at, at least not really. I don't think. Okay, so we're going to talk about specifically Windsor Road, and okay. there is a small residence on Windsor Road that used to uh, house a doctor named as Doctor Crow. Oh. So. Uh, disclaimer, there was conflicting stories. So either him and his wife either couldn't have kids and they had one child of their own, finally, excuse me, finally, um, that was so severely disfigured that suffered from the hypocephalus. Remember we talked about that, the, the water in right. the head thing. Um, so I saw multiple things saying like they could not have kids and then i saw one that said that they tried very hard and the only kid they ever had was the the one that suffered from that uh disorder the hyper yeah, yeah the yeah um but dr crow was a doctor that ended up being stripped of his medical license from the state of ohio uh, uh -oh. but decided to still continue his work oh, also no. also a lot you of can't do that also, a lot of horror movies. I mean, what, House and Haunted Hill? There was, I mean, multiple, you know? <laughs> you know. I don't know. I do know. Uh, so, he was the garden, guardian of multiple children who actually were orphaned in the area in Cleveland, in uh, East Cleveland, actually. And, unfortunately, these children fell victim to his macabre medical practices, Oh, no. Dr. Crow experimented on them. He attempted to find a cure and a help for his son or people like his son that had the same ailments of the, the too much liquid in the brain. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's good, but it's not good at the same oh, time. I can but feel also it it's not. It's also not good because these experiences were horrific and they were extremely painful. 
Yeah. He would inject them with fluid into their heads when they didn't already have like retaining fluid. Uh, and oh he would God. kind of like, tr- like he would almost like put the liquid in there and try to like create that same dysmorphia type thing and then try to what? cure it. But it, it, it didn't work out that way. Nine times That's out of ten. That's not good. Right. Because um, <laughs> no. he, But he claimed to everybody around him, including his family, his wife, everybody, he was trying to find a treatment because he just wanted a treatment for his son. Um, but mm, he did your this. Your heart's in the right place. But right. But, but he, on, did, he did this for years. He did serious, causing mal, uh, like malformations and different... Uh, really yes. bad reco- like repercussions with a lot of children like he just yeah it it was very terrifying um to see the pictures of because there is pictures uh, of of these kids that he mm. you know did these medical experiments on and he did this for years and then years passed and he he went basically fucking insane i mean no pun intended he went fucking nuts and he got pissed that he could not find a cure to to cure his son so the more that he got upset his wife ended up like leaving and like it was a big thing like he just it the insanity just trickled down into these kids into these orphaned kids that he took on that he, you know, had already caused so much, like, pain on them. Um, now this anger that he's holding that he can't fix them is trickling down. And it's just creating a really bad, bad situation. Uh-oh. Which not a lot of these children survived after that. Mm. But there was a handful of them that did and that were able to escape into the wooded area that was surrounding his house but okay. they it was said they went absolutely mad they were pissed off they were fucking mad you know just like went into rage mode um okay unexpectedly these patients you know or foster kids whatever the heck you want to call them yeah. They like test dummies. Right. They left obviously Ugh. with that rage. They left and ran away. But then they came back cuz they wanted to face Dr. Crow himself. And they took his life in a very very violent manner. Um and made it very public and very displayed to where other people Ugh. would see and claim that it's because he publicly, you know, created harm on them for many many years and they were just getting their revenge oh a good revenge story right so how do you so how did he die so well it, it didn't really say so the doctor did die at the hands of his children quote-unquote children um but now that he was gone they were framed to roam they even talked to different like Cleveland newspapers or news articles at the time, like saying, Oh, we're free from captivity. This is going to be great. We love this. Like we're, we're free, you know? Right. Um, Oh, disclaimer to later on episodes. People just want to be free in Cleveland. Let's be, (laughs) I say that I, I I laugh as a, it's, it's a 
sick joke. It's not even a joke, but whatever. Uh, uh, uncomfortable status about more things we find out later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so these children decide to set his house on fire. Um, they destroy his lab. They burn all of his findings, all of his testings that he, you know, had. Um, all his like non-sanctioned experiment records. They basically take his entire life's work and say, fuck off. We're done with you. You're gone. It's all gone. Wow. And they say like after, like they say in the publications after they did this, they finally felt free. But the problem is they've been so disconnected with society and the entire world through this, these years of this abuse that now they have no like way to communicate with other human beings. They don't know how to speak to people. They don't know how to like live in society uh, as normal yeah. humans. You know, they they were you know shoved in this house and and like put into a captive state. Like they were just treated like animals. You know, and yeah, learn. Learning by being secluded. It's not secluded, right? You have right. no, you have no social skills, and so now they're trying to think about like, well, we're free, but are we really free? You know, it's it was yeah. a big thing for them. No shit. What a mind fuck is that? Right. So, per most legends, there is also another version of the story. Right. So that was one. So mm-hmm. there's also Dr. Crow's narrative. So we're going to we're going to briefly talk about his. In his version, he wasn't a mad scientist inflicting abuse onto orphans. Instead, he was a gentle, loving man that was seeking to help children that were suffering from the same thing that his son was suffering from. This Uh-oh. this hyper right. So he took in dozens of orphaned, abandoned, unwanted children um, from all demographics, and he was giving them a secure place to call home. He was giving them what he called love, and he was also trying to help save them. These are okay. literally these. Okay, so Doctor Crow's a real thing, and these are literally his hand, like his handwritten documents, which is oh, I found wow. interesting. Right. So, uh, Doctor Crow also took residents inside the woods uh, to protect society from the kids because he was tired of them seeing hate he didn't want them to see hate anymore so he took them secluded them um he said that i wanted to save my kids and my loved ones from the cruelty of the outside world of cleveland this is legit like writings yeah wow so i mean i can relate to that that's right so in this (laughs) version crow Passed on like natural causes and said that, you know, his kids were left or oh, in this version, I'm sorry. Crow like passed on like when he when he died, he passed on from natural causes and his kids were left frightened and alone being so secluded into their, you know, scared of society thinking like those are all the bad people. So mm-hmm. they had nobody to clothe them. They had nobody to feed them. They were just like oh. left abandoned. Like now they're abandoned. And right, really, because they were sad and enraged that their only father parent figure passed away. This is when they decided to burn down the house and they decided to be angry. They fled the woods and took their anger out on literally anybody that came into the 
the territory of the woods of where they lived in. Oh, see? So, right. Now that. So, also could be believable, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit. So no matter what legend, like, resonates with you, like, the most or resonates with me, it doesn't really change the fact that the encounters that involved the Melonheads, both in Ohio and in Michigan, all of that shit results in fucking terror, man. Like, none of it was a happy ending. Not a damn one of them. No. Not a, you know? As the years passed, they procreated, spreading their hate, and they created more deformed offspring which they also taught and you know showed hate onto upon them as well like it just was a really sick cycle they guarded their community from outsiders inside the woods or you know both so both stories there it was inside the woods and they often blamed other they often blamed other people but also were blamed themselves for the kidnappings of random people that got lost in the woods or Something happened, like, tragically, like, oh, you know, uh, there was a tax or there was, you know, somebody attacked our campground, that type of shit. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, right. Obviously, different movies that were made about them. You know, I mean, they were just basically the, the fucking target for a lot of really nasty shit. You know, it's it, there was things that said that they stole livestock, they stole pets, they um, even stole, like, children of the neighboring, like, communities as their food because the children, like, went to go play in the woods. It's like, there's uh, so many fucked up stories. It's really... Wow. There was lots deep. of... Yeah, there was a lot of, like, uh, especially in the Cleveland story, there was a lot of, like, cannibalism, uh, like, in the news, like, in the paper at this point in time. It was... Wow. Yeah. So... A lot of people around the area in the Midwest, they say melon heads have been spotted near um, different wooded areas, thick wooded areas uh, that they, uh, there were some things that say they bring uh, the sight of crows with them and, uh, you know, they have haunted residents for decades and all that bullshit. Uh, Wisner Road is the hot spot for legends and trippers of paranormal investigations so i would you know that's your realm there that wisner road or wisner road or whatever it is w-i-s-n-e-r man i mean there was so much information from ghost hunters checking out that place i feel like we should check out the place or at least in holly (laughs) like come on oh yeah yeah my sister she's she loves a good trip right um so so teens yeah Teens awful, uh, uh, teens awful. Teens also like trek around the areas. Uh, there's lots of fucking really shitty YouTube, uh, you know, cam sessions of like, let's catch a glimpse of the local monsters in Cleveland and all this shit. I mean, it's just, right. I don't know, it's really terrible. But the Ohio melon heads are described as small creatures with large, misshapen heads, often hairless, with deformed limbs. Um, jagged or razor-like teeth and glowing red eyes. The Ohio Ooh. melon heads are all are also extremely popularized on the internet. Uh, so there is a website called uh Dead Ohio, and there's also one called Creepy Cleveland, where you will find thousands, thousands, uh, of 
listener tales or or writings, uh, pictures, everything of people investigating these places of parts of Ohio um, with their claims, you know, their stories. And I'm telling you, if you just really have nothing else to do and you want a rabbit hole, those are fun sites to look into. Um, (laughs) You know, they're they're really crazy. But uh, for those who are still intrigued in 2010, a movie called. Legends of the Melonheads was based solely on, you know, these two different stories, the Michigan and the Ohio Tales. And they pretty much kind of like um, defunct all the the random things that couldn't have possibly happened and brought a lot of factual basis into them, which is a bit of a mind fuck because (laughs) it's really interesting. And in 2011, the film titled Melonheads was released um, about the Michigan only variety. That one is also on YouTube. Uh, I did watch all of these, so I invite you guys to check that shit out. It's interesting. My take on it all, maybe if people would stay the fuck out of other people's business and stay the fuck out of other people's residences and just really quit messing with people that they don't fucking associate with i don't know maybe those people that you think are so terrifying would do the same you know yeah like right exactly come on leave them alone and maybe they'll leave you alone it's a good concept to think about but that is the story (laughs) of the melon heads uh you know it check it out i really want to hear some uh some comments and or read some comments and and hear about your guys's thoughts after you look into it because there's so much content and it's it's terrifying and it's it's hard to distinguish is that a legend or is that real shit because they there's a lot of like video there's a lot of um news publication i mean there's just so much there's so much it's a lot to take in and i've never even heard of it before yeah, I so literally have n- never even heard of it. She was like, oh, we're going to talk about the melon heads. Have you ever heard of that? And the reason why she freaked out when I said no is because Cleveland, obviously, like it would make sense if I heard it because I'm from there. <laughs> but I've never right. heard that. Right. So another another little urban legend folklore slash spooky, scary story just for you guys.